Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Informed Catholic Podcast. And this is going to be episode 114, season 2, and I am going to do the correct liturgical reading for this Sunday. It's going to be the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Uh, I know I was off a couple of weeks ago with the uh, liturgical calendar because of the lockdown and uh, unfortunately not being able to attend Mass, and somehow I was off by five weeks, at least, I think. Anyway, so let's begin. Let's start with the uh, entrance antiphon, Psalm 54. See, I have God from my help. The Lord sustains my soul. I will sacrifice to you with willing heart and praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, Christe elision, Kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father, Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Show favor, O Lord, to your servants, and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace, that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity, that may be ever watchful in keeping your commands, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading for this Sunday, the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time, will be from the Book of Wisdom, chapter 12. The theme is, You Give Repentance for Sins. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. There is no God besides you who have the care of all, that you need show you have not unjustly condemned, for your might is the source of justice. Your mastery over all things makes you lenient to all, for you show your might when the perfection of your power is disbelieved. And in those who know you, you rebuke termity. But though you are master of might, you judge with clemency, and with much leniency you govern us, for power, whenever you will, attends you, and you taught your people by these deeds, that those who are just must be kind. And you gave your children good ground for hope, 
that you would permit repentance for their sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we'll go through the responsorial psalm. It's Psalm 86. And the response is, Lord, you are good and forgiving. Lord, you are good and forgiving. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in kindness to all who call upon you. Hearken, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the sound of my pleading. Lord, you are good and forgiving. All the nations you have made shall come and worship you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you are great, and you do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Lord, you are good and forgiving. You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and fidelity. Turn towards me and have pity on me. Give your strength to your servant. Lord, you are good and forgiving. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The second reading is going to be from St. Paul Letters to the Romans. The theme is, The Spirit Intercedes with Inexpressible Groanings. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. I'll read it one more time. It's very short, so why not? The Spirit comes to the aid of our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading is going to be from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 24 to 43. And it also says 24 to 30. Um, I guess they, uh, yeah, well, I'm going to read the whole thing. <laughs> Why not? Uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, and the theme is, Let them grow together until harvest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat, and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slave of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slave said to him, 
do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, no, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It, become, it becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat, flour into the whole batch was leavened. All things Jesus spoke to the crowds in a parable. He spoke to them only in parable to fulfill what had been said through the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went up into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parables of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will, will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the, fir the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Wherever, whoever has ears ought to hear. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is uh this was an interesting reading. I just did the um Vigano letter in response to the angry nun, uh a Dominican um order and uh a very let's say social justice nun. She embraced uh liberation theology. Uh I'm going to take a guess. Doesn't dress like a nun. Uh really focused on uh, the um, pro-modernist, the um, late modernist philosophy, and very angry with uh, Archbishop Vigano for uh, sending a letter to Donald Trump, having it printed publicly, and also at the same time, um, he just wrote a prayer to Donald Trump. And earlier, sometime before, he actually called upon Pope Francis to resign. And uh, in and of course, that really infuriated her. But what really bugged me is that the letter she was making reference to and insulted and angry was the very letter that catapulted Vigano in, this, in the world stage. It was the one where he exposed 
Pope Francis' sin of putting Cardinal the late uh, the um, now laicized Cardinal McCarrick, the car the very Cardinal McCarrick that Pope Benedict XVI sidelined, you know, benched because Cardinal McCarrick was a homosexual, serial homosexual pedophile. The man was a sec uh, a sexual predator, a monster, and. Benedict benched him and left a no, uh, an envelope, a note for the next pope because Benedict retired, you know, stepped down from the papacy, and then they elected Jorge Bergoglio, who became Pope Francis, and the letter was left at the desk, a message to the next pope. And what happened was, what did he do? He reads the letter, he the, the whole case is in front of him, and he reinstates McCarrick back into action. Vigano himself documented this because he then sees McCarrick sometime later, McCarrick walking past him and has to you know, uh, boast, I have just had a meeting with his holiness. Now I am on, way, on my way to China, which clearly was to Vigano, this, this pope has totally ignored it. We find out later on that McCarrick uh, was worked along with the St. Gallen Mafia. The St. Gallen is the one in, in Sweden. In Sweden, these popes, the, I'm sorry, these cardinals and bishops met plotting the demise of Pope Benedict XVI because they didn't like Benedict's orthodoxy and they wanted a pope a pope they desperately needed for one last hurrah to push the Catholic Church into a modernist theme that was basically unrecognizable, a church that right now is very much unrecognizable and very much abandoning its divine mission, which is the mission that Christ has uh, given the commission, the great commission of the gospel to go out and preach the gospel. Well, Guess what? Now it all came out exposed. That Francis is definitely a conciliar pope and definitely is pushing for uh, the church to be submissive to the United Nations and submissive to the Freemasonic mission and submissive to the globalist mentality, the globalist economy, and the globalist uh, population control, and the globalist movement to basically um, take away all freedoms from humanity, which is exactly what the globalists want to do. George Soros and all the others, that's exactly, and the Catholic Church is in the way, because the Catholic Church represents the old world of freedom, of freedom of religion, of tradition, of, of all the values that has shaped humanity for thousands of years, which the globalists want to take away. That's exactly what's, what's happening here. And unfortunately, now we're noticing a lot of things are coming to the light. We're noticing um, China's role <clears throat> in this, basically. Uh, it's competition to be a world power. It's the Red Dragon. Basically, it's the, the, the serpent, you know, along with the United Nations and everything else, because it's Antichrist. And Francis is just the last hurrah.
the last one last attempt to go forward for this new world order. All right. The virus just came at the right time. Uh, whatever, how it came on the stage and how it, uh, you know, changed everything. We'll leave that to scholars to decide. But one thing's for certain, they're going to fail because people are starting to wake up and people are starting to notice people, you know, it takes a while. I mean, you know, you, you got to remember, you got the so, so-called so soy babies who really think that they're making the world a better place, but they don't realize they're just pawns on the board, on the chessboard. They They think that the old order is oppressive and racist. They just don't realize that that's not true. I know that that's not all entirely true. I mean, yes, everything in history is complicated. People are complicated. Not everything is completely um, what you call that simple. I just saw the movie Amistad. Uh, it was made by Steven Spielberg. Uh, and it was about a slave ship, the Spanish slave, slave ship Amistad. Now, it it was involved. There was so much involved in it. The British were also involved. They were trying to f find a um, a slave ship, I mean, a slave fortress in Sierra Leone, and they were there was a lot involved. I mean, the Spanish Empire, uh, a eleven year old queen, who is a um, who makes her business through slave trade. Um, the the whole process there was a lot of abolitionists christians christians who wanted to end slavery back in the 1830s or um you know at that time there was a lot going on there was a lot of people america was very much divided the south wanted to continue to hold on to their slave traditions the industrial revolution was moving forward now was everybody a saint in the north no was everybody evil in the south no was everybody what you call didn't hold was did anybody not have racism in them absolutely not john quincy adams decided to take the case in front of the supreme court and half of the supreme court judges were all southerners and slave owners plantation owners they had business in the cotton field uh, industry and these were the men who were going to make, who were going to listen to the case by John Quincy Adams, the sec, the son of the second president of the United States and a president, a former president of the United States, who decided to go back into law practice. And he was also a congressman or senator. And, you know, he wasn't perfect. He was played by Anthony Hopkins and he wasn't perfect. Yet, he decided to take the case for these West African uh, victims who were caught on, caught and made into slaves. The horrible conditions that they showed what these people went through. When the slave ship's owners collected all the people, they, they, they captured them. They often overestimated what the, their cargo, sadly, that's the word we're going to use, and when they found that they didn't have enough food to last the voyage across the Atlantic, they decided to cut their cargo by 50, meaning to get rid of living human beings and th throw them into the sea to get rid of them, 
so they can at least save what what little cargo they can they can have and bring it back to first of all they had to sell them in Havana Cuba and this was in the 19th century and then they had to go to another port where they can sell slaves in the south when they couldn't sell their their cargo and it showed. I mean, there was a big argument in court. There were people going through the the books. People were trying to defend them. Um, are they are they slaves? The law is you have to be born a slave in order to be considered a slave. And then that was the you had to go through the books. And it showed. It showed there was a lot of people who were going through a complicated process in order to try to end this inhuman practice. That you got the wheat and the tares right there. You got the the harvest with the weed weeds sown in by the devil. I don't I I wanted to know this. If there were people who wanted to suppress this kind of information and wipe it off the history books, I think that would be a complete injustice to history. And in complete injustice to the slaves, to the people, to the Africans who died in the past. A complete injustice. These people who want to like sponge history, I think are the real white supremacists. And I think, may, I don't know, maybe it could be guilt on their part, or maybe it is racism on their part. Because those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. All right. I don't I think that's absolutely wrong. I think taking down the statues of Confederates are wrong. Leave them up there so we can remember what the past was. I don't think they should be put into museums. I think they should remain up there. You want to have a Confederate flag? Leave it up there. Teach your kid what the Confederate flag symbolizes. Now, for people have to remember the symbol of Columbus the statue is just a symbol. It's not the real Christopher Columbus. The real Christopher Columbus was a man of his own time. Not perfect and definitely not a hero. The symbol that we have now is more that Italian-American symbol. It resembles the historical Columbus very little. The real Columbus was not much of a genius and he wasn't a hero. He was just a man who was trying to find his way to try to make a success of his life, trying to find a trade route so he can become rich and not die poor. And he didn't start the slave trade. It was another Italian after him, or Spaniard, who decided that the people of the New World, the indigenous populations, were not very good for work. So... They decided to go along with the Portuguese and bring black slaves over. And guess what? In the film, you know who put the main characters into, into the shackles? Was their own African people, members of the tribe who wanted to get rid of the prince, wanted to get rid of other people and so that they could take power over the tribe. They sold their own people to the Portuguese and Spanish. Again, the wheat with the tares. Saints and sinners. All right, nobody is innocent. The Arabs are not innocent. The whites are not innocent. The, the Africans are not innocent. The Asians are not innocent. Americans are not innocent. But at the same time, 
there are people in there who want to be good, who want to change it. As much as human beings have a capacity to be evil, there's also those who have the capacity to want to be good and fight against those instincts to want to be evil. There is the instinct to want to be good, to want to be better. Sometimes it takes a while for that. When you see so much evil around you, you want to go against it. You want to explode. You don't want to follow the footsteps of the others. You don't want to follow the footsteps of your father if your father was a slave trader. But at the same time, you are not guilty of your father's sin. You are only guilty of your own sins. You know, it's like God said to Cain when Cain was angry. Why are you angry? If you do good, then do good. And if you didn't do good, then do better next time. Be careful. Sin is waiting to attack you like a wild animal. You must master it or it will master you. That's, that's the whole message right there of the gospel. If you knew nothing else right there, that was God's advice to Cain. But Cain gave in to his anger, to his lust, to his greed, and he killed his brother. And that's, that's important. And one other thing I think it's important about this, I was talking to my brother and he said the, you know, he was listening to a message by Martin Luther King the other day. And one of the things he noticed is that some people don't want Martin Luther King to be an American icon. They want him to be a black American icon. And he felt that Martin Luther King should be an American icon for all Americans. Because if you just label him as one thing, you deprive others from claiming him to be a hero. In other words, don't segregate him <clears throat> from other heroes. Place him up there with George Washington, with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, with... Uh, all the other great heroes. Place him up there. Let others see that he is an American icon, an American hero, something to aspire to, along with Frederick Douglass. Don't just say that they are African-American heroes. They are American heroes. Why do they have to be separate from the others? If we teach them and you know we keep them, we place them up there, and we venerate them as heroes. They can be heroes to everybody, not just to one group of the population. We need to look at them as that. And I think the problem is there are a lot of people I think in history that uh, who teach history that don't do that. They don't they don't send the message enough. They don't they don't place them enough. That's the problem with with the harvest, with the, the story. The story is you separate people, you divide the wrong people. Good and evil have to be divided, but good should not be divided from good. And that's, you know, that is a serious problem. Then we have, like in the church, we have some evil, wicked men. Wicked men who, uh, who in a sense suppress the gospel, suppress the good. And because they're greedy. Money is one of the biggest biggest thing in history. Greed, power. But sometimes it's not money. It's just the desire to be wicked and cruel. 
It is. It's sometimes people have an inclination, a desire. They give into their passions. People who want to master and control other people and brutalize other people are usually just people with, you know, who are just deep, deeply, deeply, you know, in their, in their vile, in their own vomit. They're cruel. And they've seen, they, they've been, they've known no good in their lives. You know, I mean, I don't know. There was a scene when they collected the slaves. There was an African priest, um, not African priest, I'm sorry, an, um, a Spanish priest, looks like a monk, uh, a friar, and he was blessing these poor people who were being taken from their homes, who were free, born free, and now found themselves captive into, in, in, in slavery. I don't know how true that story was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was true. And I'm sorry it was. It was a sad, a sad thing. It was a misrepresentation of faith. Probably was true. Probably the Portuguese had that. I mean, it's it's very hypocritical, very hypocritical. But then again, there are hypocrites in faith. There are hypocrites in the church. And you got to remember, there is always the sin of Judas Iscariot. So anyway, I'm going to end it here and we'll go to the uh, the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father of, of all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and look forward for the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless, and I'll be back again soon.